So let's grab our Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians. We're going to read a passage of Scripture. The problem with Ephesians is it's virtually impossible to try and pick out one portion. We could probably very happily just read the book and be done with it. I won't ask for a show of hands who'd like to do that. Nobody might want to hear my sermon, but that would be fine too. Before we do anything else, as you turn there, let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we we are so grateful if we stop and just reflect and ponder for even a moment on the reality of who you are. Your majesty, your beauty, on the works that you have done for us, on the work that you continue to do in us, your faithfulness towards us, your goodness and mercies that are new each and every day. Lord, how could we not resound with thankfulness, with gratitude and with praise? Cause us never to lose sight of the reality of who you are. We want to forever be in awe of your great love for us. And Lord, I pray that as we come to your word, I thank you that your word is alive, that it's active, that your word is, it feeds us. We live not by bread alone, but by the word of God. So we come hungry this morning, not to hear a sermon, but to hear from the heart of a God who loves us. Give each of us listening ears, Lord, open our eyes to see you, that we would know you more, and as we behold you, that we would become more like you. Don't leave us where we are. Take us further, take us deeper. Let us experience the fullness of all that you have for us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that together in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're headed. I want to read a passage of Scripture, and then I want to just set up what it is that is on my heart for us this morning. So Paul here at this particular point, without giving us too much context, this is probably one of the key turning points in this letter. He's expounded upon the mystery, the power, the purpose of the gospel, one of the most incredible pieces of literature, certainly one of the most amazing portions of scripture in the entire Bible are these preceding chapters. And we're going to pick up the story from chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians, verse 14. And this is how he then decides to land what he's been saying. This is, in fact, a prayer. He's saying, in in, in light of that, the very first words we'll read are, for this reason. For what reason? For the reason of, of all that I have expounded to you, all that I'm trying to encourage you with. The mystery of the gospel, the majesty of the gospel, the glory of this God who's called you, who knows you by name, who saved you, who continues to pour out his grace and his mercy and his majesty without measure. So that's certainly for this reason, but then just before we read verse 14, verse 13 is also important in terms of the context. So that's the backdrop. But he says to these Ephesians, he says, I encourage you or I ask you not to lose heart. 
So he's talked about the majesty of the gospel, the mystery of the gospel, but also in his mind is to, to pray a prayer or to bring something that will encourage their hearts. Do not lose heart. Do not be discouraged. Now, we don't know exactly what it was that they were potentially discouraged about. Who knows? If you're looking for discouragement, it's very easy to find. Anyone found that? There's plenty going around. So I think this is intentional. He's writing to a people just like us who can find it easy to lose heart. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is praying for the Ephesians, what he is praying for believers who would read his letter and what is so relevant for us as we read these words thousands of years downstream. Ephesians 3 verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Love that phrase, to know that which surpasses knowledge. It's like you can never know it all, but I'm just praying that you'll, you'll know a little bit, that you'll see something of it. And that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What a wonderful expression that is. Who thinks that sounds pretty good? To be filled with the fullness of God. And let's just read verse 20 because it's too good not to read. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in all the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. There's a place for an amen. I feel like every passage you read in Ephesians is a good spot for an amen. But we have one there for us. What an incredible passage of Scripture. Incredible. This is the prayer that Paul prays for the believers. You know, it's interesting, I had on my heart this week just preparing for not only this morning, but for those who've been around for some time, you'll know that I love to pick a, a, normally a book, sometimes a portion of Scripture, and spend some time just expounding upon it, doing a bit of a sermon series. So you'll be happy to know I had a great sermon series. It's planned for us, and we may or may not get there. But although I had that in my mind, I just had an, I guess only a, perhaps a preacher's wife will be able to to tell you what this feels like, but my lovely, long-suffering wife, she knows very well when I've had everything planned and we've got all of these activities coming up on the weekend, but I wrestled and I wrestled this week because I just knew that wasn't the direction for this Sunday for us. And she saw that look in my eye. She said, do you need me to rearrange some plans for the weekend? I said, good plan. We need to do that because I just feel like God has something else on his heart for us for this morning. So we may well get to the series, but I just felt in my, in my heart, in my spirit, I had this sense that God was taking us 
in a different direction, that he had something for us. And so I wrestled through that. God, what is it that you're saying? Because I've learned that I'd much rather preach what God has to say than the best or the goodest, the greatest sermon that I could possibly come up with. I'd rather have what he has for me and I'd rather proclaim the message that he has for us. And I say this as an aside, you know, I'm not afraid at times to wrestle with God. I think sometimes problems are simply God's invitation into his purpose. Irritations, just something that's not right. That can be God saying, you just need to draw aside, you need to seek me. And that's how it began. And so often I come across people and I say, well, I never hear from God. I never hear from him. And I say, well, how are you seeking him? How many times have you prayed? Well, I prayed once. I know it's not everybody, but I've heard this from some. I prayed once, 10 years ago, and God did nothing. And therefore, I've never prayed again. And I think we need to be comfortable at times wrestling with God. As Jacob, it says, he wrestled all night. When was the last time you wrestled? You got alone with God and you just said, God, I need to know your wisdom on this one, and I will wrestle as long as it takes. See, it's those times that leave you marked. More than other times where God just, I mean, we all love the red carpet, don't we? There it is. There's the answer. Off you go. But there's a process and there's a purpose in the wrestling. Don't be afraid to wrestle things out with God. Don't be afraid. There's so much to learn in the process not just in the end product. And in our microwave generation, and I can be so guilty of this, you know, if I can't press the buttons and have it just spat out at me on my plate in five seconds, and it's not worth it. You know, I've got into the trap. Has anyone discovered Amazon Prime? I'm a little bit late jumping on the... Only, only three or four of us. Your world is about to change. <laughs> You're very welcome. You sign up with this small subscription fee, and not only do you get free shipping but you get next day shipping on anything you order on Amazon. Just incredible. Anything you look at, you click the button, and it's there within 24 to 48 hours, depending on what time of day you order. The problem is that I now get in this trap, and I, I look at things and think, a week? Two weeks I've got to wait. A month? Forget about it. If I can't have it in 24 hours, and it's not worth wasting my time. See, but life is a life of process and of journey. And that's all for free, by the way. It's not what we're focusing on this morning. Might have been for someone here. But here's, here's, as I've wrestled with the Lord, and it was only in the very latter portions of the week that I really felt like God unpacked for me, unveiled, if you like, what he would have me share today. And I'd like to say it was a, a very holy spiritual moment where... You know, the angel appeared and gave me a word. But in fact, I was seeking him. I was wrestling through these things with him. And I had the line of a song. Anyone get the Lord speaking to you through lines of songs at times? I'm like, I know that song from somewhere. And I looked it up. It's actually a, a switchfoot song from the Sophomore album back in the 90s. So as the great theologian Switchfoot said, <laughs> it's one of their songs and the last line of the chorus is simply this. God, let me know that you love me and let that be enough. 
Let you know, let me know that you love me and let that be enough. And as I was praying, God, what, what's on your heart? I felt exactly that. Just let people know that I love them and let that be enough. You know what my first response was? I was like, God, it's not enough. <laughs> That's not enough. How am I going to preach a sermon from a switchfoot song? It's not enough. I need more. But then as I thought about it, what a fascinating response to have. And I think so often we can fall into that trap of, we know this. We know that. We know that God loves us. But do we really know? And do we really know that it is enough? So I want to ask you to join with me in this prayer of God this morning, would you let us know that you love us? And would you help us for that to be enough? So we read, we read a passage of Scripture, and as I said, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking to the Ephesians, and he has expounded some incredible theological truth. He's encouraged them in many ways. I mean, there is so much he could be praying for them right now. But how is it? that he distills everything? How is it that he brings everything together? Not that the rest is all unimportant. It's incredibly important. And we could theologically, experientially, in every way, doctrinally, we could unpack the first three chapters of Ephesians. We could do that until the Lord returns. There's so much in there. But he brings it to a knife edge, to an arrow point in this way. As he prays and he cries out, and he says, here's my prayer for you, that you would be so rooted and grounded in love that you would comprehend the height and the depth and the majesty of this radical love that is poured out upon you. He says, I pray that you would know the love of God and that that would be enough. You see, that's really his prayer. The central theme of his prayer is very clear. It's not one on a list of ten. Now, sometimes we come before the Lord, don't we, and we've got our lists, and lists are okay. Let's find something wrong with lists. Lord, help out my brother. He's struggling with this, and help mom, and help dad. There's no list of Paul's. It's one on a list of one. God, if... if if you could just show them this reality, if you could just so captivate their hearts, then everything would change. Let me ask you this. What, what is the one message that you would give to someone, someone you're close to, if you were perhaps going on a long trip or it's a bit, bit of a morbid thought, but if you were lying there on your deathbed, you had people you cared about, someone's there. So, well, can you just get this message across to them? What would you say? Make sure my car's parked in the garage. Can you find someone to look after my stamp collection? Who knows what the list might be? There might be some things there. But, of course, the thing that you go to is, can you tell these people that I love them? I was just thinking as I was pondering upon this, what's the one thing that I want for my kids? There's many things. But the one thing that I want them to know above everything else, I want them to be 
provided for. I want them to have access to education. I want them to succeed in careers. But if there was one thing, it would be a very short list, wouldn't it? I just want them to know what it is to be loved. And how much more, if that's our expression in our flawed, imperfect, temperamental expression of love, how much more do you think the one who is love, the one who defines love, has a message for us, that he is continually and constantly doing whatever he can to get across? And I said this before in in communion, but we've got to be so careful because in our modern society, we're, we're so longing for the new thing and the latest thing. We're so ready for bigger and better and we want the lights and we want the, the emotional reality. And not all that's bad, but sometimes that can draw us away from the simplicity and the significance of what we really need. So often the church is seeking for greater glory, bigger buildings, programs that surpass that of government agencies, budgets, staff, speakers, you name it. But how many of us are truly aggressively pursuing and seeking the reality of the love of God? How many of us like Paul? Just just think about Paul's prayer for a moment. I mean, he's saying, I want you to be so rooted and grounded in this love, so impacted by it, that your minds are completely blown by the reality of a God who loves you. What is that sort of a love? I mean, what does it look like for someone to be filled with the fullness of God? It's a nice expression, doesn't it? And we could talk about, well, theologically, I mean, what does that feel like? I don't know, but I want to find out. You see, there's so much more to this reality of love that Paul is praying for. How many of us, too, are praying for that for ourselves? Seeking the love of God. Seeking this revelation, this understanding that Paul is so eloquently saying changes everything. How much of that are we seeking as a church? It's so easy to be seeking other things. And as I said, there's not necessarily anything wrong with a lot of the other things. But how often do we really pursue and press in to seek that which we need most? This radical encounter with his love. And let me say this quickly before I just look at a couple of aspects of this. You see, this is... This is not a once-off prayer of Paul's. The context here, he says, for this reason I'm on my knees, but really it's ongoing present tense. He's saying, for this reason I will continually be on my knees. I'm continually praying. I'm continually seeking for you. Not just that you get all the truth, not that you get the doctrine right, that's so fantastic, that's important, but I'm just continually praying that you would just grasp this reality. And he's not just talking about a warm, fuzzy love. See, sometimes we have this superficial picture of of God's love. Well, you know what? I went to a service once, and I felt something. came forward in the prayer line. There was tingles, and 
there's warm fuzzies and I smiled a little bit and, you know, that's, that's good. I've got that. That's fine. I understand that. But there's, there's another aspect to this love. Two words that he used. Rooted, that's, that's an agricultural term. And it's not talking about a shallow root system. It's talking about a root system that goes deep, that taps into the, the hidden reservoirs. That's the picture of this love. That's the first picture. It's a love that's so deep that it doesn't matter what's going on around you, that there's life and there's joy flowing and there's, there's strength. It's what it means to be uh, to rooted in his love. And the second one, grounded, that's, an, that's a building term. And it literally means grounded as in the, the foundation stone of a building. It's a foundation that's going to endure. It's a foundation that's going to be unshakable. See, there's this picture of, of love and you know, love has so many facets, I understand. But it's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling. I'm, and I'm not trying to diminish that. That's great. I want to encounter God's love in that way. But it's a love that grounds us, that, that is a foundation that we build everything else upon, that's a root system that goes down deep into the earth, that brings life, it brings nourishment, it brings everything that we need. That's the kind of, of radical love, a love that impacts everything and that affects everything. And so if I was to ask you this morning, you know, do you know the love of God? It would be my hope that most of us would respond and say yes. That would be my hope. If that's not the reality, then it would be my privilege and my pleasure to pray for you this morning that you would encounter this radical love that I'm talking about. And that's totally fine if you're in that category. But I suspect most of us would be in a place where we would say, well, yes, I, I know on some level at least what it means to be loved by God. I certainly know theologically. certainly know that God loves me. So my question to those of us in that c- category is simply this. Will you let it be enough? Is it truly enough? And that's what I want to unpack very quickly. What, what does that mean for his love to be enough? And a couple of quick realities just from this passage, and then we'll bring it to a close. See, when it's enough, it changes our view, first of all, of who he is. I love his opening line in this prayer. He says, for this reason, I'm continually on my knees. I bow my knees. I'm in prayer before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. One translation say, I bow before the perfect Father who has begotten and called every family upon earth. See, there is a picture there of a loving, perfect, heavenly Father. And we don't have time to develop it, but if you were to go back to the beginning of Ephesians 1 verse 4, it says this. You don't need to turn there. Let me quickly read it for you. It says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless, in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Wonderful passage. From eternity past, you were purposed and you were created for him. Not by accident 
intentional, intentionally purposed in his heart of love. If you were to continue on and look at Ephesians 2.7, it says this, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. What's that say? We looked at eternity past. From before the foundation of the world, he's purposed, predestined you in love. Ephesians 2.7, so that in the ages to come. That's, just, that's not just talking about the ages of human history. If you look at the context, it's talking about for all eternity. You are predestined that he might show and demonstrate and pour out upon you the immeasurable riches of his grace. From eternity past to eternity future, there is a God who is crazy about you. See, what is your view of God? Honestly, just think for a moment. What is your view of God? Do you view him as someone who's distant? Is he far away? Is he one step removed? Is he not really interested in your life? Is he perhaps angry? Are you constantly worried about messing up and making mistakes? Because he'll be there then. Or are you questioning whether even he exists at all? Maybe he's there, maybe he's... I don't know. Well, let me tell you the picture that Scripture reveals, and you cannot get away from this reality. In this passage, but from the beginning to the end of the Scriptures, it reveals this God of passionate love. A God who never stops pursuing. He'll never give up on you. He's constantly reaching out. He's constantly calling. I just I had, had this moment as our kids started school last week and we've had a great school holiday and January's often a bit quieter so I try and be with my kids as much as possible. And one of my girls said to me just before the, the first week began, she said, Daddy, this, this holiday has been so amazing. And I'm really looking forward to school, and you know that's all good. But I just wish I could be with you. I just wish. Can we just stay here forever? You got no idea how much joy that brings to a heart of a father. You know, there's there is a love that I have for my kids that is impossible to put into words from the moment they were born. You love them. You love them so completely. You love them despite all of their flaws and faults and all the miserable choices they continue to make, all the stuff that comes with it. You just love, you would do anything for them. I would lay down my life in a moment. And again, if that is my earthly, flawed, imperfect, at times frustrated love for my kids, how much more is the love of our Heavenly Father. The only face of God ever revealed to humanity is a Savior who came for God so loved. He doesn't just love. He so loves you. He's crazy about you. He so loves you. He so loves you. How do I know when His love is enough for me? When that's the place that I rest, when that's the reality, he so loves me. I've got to be quick with these others. Number two, how, how 
else do we know? Not only does it change our view of God, it changes our view of ourselves. Again, I love this prayer because he talks in here, yes, it's about knowing the love, but he says in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He comes and he sets up residence. And the picture there is he's not visiting and it's not a partial habitation. He doesn't move in and he says, look, I'll take the guest suite. The rest is up to you. You know, you do whatever you like over there. And I know Peter preached a few weeks ago on what if Jesus came to your house? Well, he's there. He's, he's in our hearts. He's dwelling there. And he doesn't want to just take up little bits and pieces. He wants to completely transform us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. You see, our hearts were made to behold wonder. Our hearts are made for adventure. Our hearts are made for, for beauty. And one of the greatest tragedies in our modern generation and society is we've taken the beauty of God and Christ in me, and we've made it all about me in me, the hope of glory. We've taken beholding the beauty of a saviour for a mirror. Like we were, my wife and I this past week, we were looking up some different accommodation resorts for a trip to Bali. My brother's getting married over there later in the year. And one of the particular hotels, some of them are promoting different things. We've got the best beaches, we've got the best, you know, as they do. And then one of them, the very top item was the most Instagrammable resort in Bali. And apparently it has the most Instagram shots, the most, and there was even a map you could, you know, get and download for this resort of all the places that you needed to go to take the Instagram shots so that you could have the perfect holiday of yourself. Fascinating, isn't it? What they're really saying is what really counts is not the beaches or the food you eat the place you stay. What really counts is how good you look. Did it make you look good? Now, there's nothing wrong with a mirror. I know we all probably have love-hate relationships with a mirror. But I want to tell you this. A mirror is a very flawed anchor for your identity. Because sooner or later, you're going to come across things that you don't like. There's going to be little issues there. Oh, my nose is a little crooked, my eyes, whatever it might be. But not just that, that the further we look into ourselves, and that's what the whole world says, and we've got to be so careful because the church has grabbed onto this too. You've just got to look within. You've just got to learn to love yourself more. You've got to learn to behold yourself in the mirror. How many of us honestly could spend time beholding ourselves in the mirror and come away encouraged? Don't need to show hands. It's okay. Probably not many. And the problem is that once we begin looking to ourselves for confirmation, if you're looking confirmation around you that you don't belong, that you have issues, you will find it everywhere you look. And then issues become identity and then we set up ideological bunkers around what we believe and we completely lose sight of this reality of who we are, of his beloved children, of this call that we have to behold him and become like him. He says, here's my mission. I want to come and take up residence and I want to make you beautiful. He wants to receive that. But it's not me in me, it's Christ in me, the beauty of who he is. 
He's at work in me, making me more beautiful. So I know when his love is enough because it changes my view of him, it changes my view of myself. Number three, and there's a couple more, but we'll bring it to a close very quickly. Thirdly, we know it's enough when we live assured. When we live assured. See, all through this prayer, there's this prayer that we would get and grasp this love. But time and time again, it says, so that you would be strengthened. So that you would have the strength. Rooted and grounded are pictures of strength. It's pictures of an assured life. And you see, love is always the present reality of his provision. Fear always reminds us of what we don't have. And love is the reality of that which we rest into. Fear always says, just keep a little for yourself. Don't trust him completely. That's when we know his love is not enough. You see, he has promised that he would be our everything. That's his desire. But do we receive him as our everything? Do we sort of hang on to a secret plan B? Well, I'll trust God in this area, in this area, but I'll just, I'll just keep a little for myself. I'll just hang on to a few of these little things. What are we doing? We're anchoring in to fear rather than anchoring our lives into love, living assured. See, there will be twists and turns. There will be momentary affliction. But when our hearts are anchored into the one thing that is eternal, nothing can stop it. Nothing can quench it. No enemy can thwart it. No problem can hinder it. Paul says elsewhere, Romans 8.31, what do we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And you live differently. You pray differently. You see things differently when your heart is anchored into his love. When his love is enough to secure you. When there's not a little bit of God and a little bit of me. I can anchor myself in here when it's completely him. There's a few others we could go to, but let me just bring it to a conclusion here. Finally, I would give us this encouragement. You know that his love is enough when there is the experiential reality. We've said before, you see, the promise, the prayer here of Paul to the Ephesians is not just that they would know theoretically the fullness of God. He says, no, I want you to be filled with the fullness of God. That's what I would have for you. That's what I would have you not sell yourself short of. To pray and to press in and to pursue God. That that would be your experience. Filled with the fullness of God. And that makes sense because... Love without an experience is not really love at all. You know, if my wife and I had a theoretical love, 
without any sort of experiential love, what sort of a marriage would we have? Fortunately, we don't. It's both. I know theoretically that she loves me, but I know experientially the reality of the love that she has for me. And it warms my heart every day, sweetheart. Love you. Had to get it in there. Just scoring a few points. Let's move on. Galatians 4.6. It says, because you are sons, he he pours the spirit of his son into our hearts by which we cry, Abba, Father. What a picture. Because you are. You couldn't earn it if you tried. There's no money in the world that could buy you that. But because you are. It's not just for the elite. It's not just for those who are extra spiritual. It's because from eternity past, he predestined you in love. And for eternity future, he will be celebrating you. And so how much more does he want you to know that reality of God? I want to get the worship team to come back. I want to tell you a couple of stories and finish off with these and I want to pray for us. But I just want to share from my own journey and some of these stories you might have heard before to encourage our hearts that there is this reality of the love of God. You know, I have tasted and I've seen that there is a God of grace and of mercy and of love. And yet I'm also so aware that every time I share these stories, it just leaves me hungering for more. Experiencing his love, it's not a a one-off journey. It's a continual life of, of wrestling, of pressing in through the difficulties, through the stuff. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, now there'll be some stuff in life, but there's a reality in the midst of that that there's a God of love who is with you. And I remember the first time that I really encountered the love of God was when I was in my late teenage years, and I was sharing this testimony actually with someone this very week, and I thought I'd share it again this morning. But I remember having walked a path and a journey where I was brought up in a Christian home, and despite all that I knew, it was an intentional decision to walk away from the Lord. And I'd been in that place for some years, as early as I could remember. I said, you know what, I'm not going to go to church. I think it was a deliberate rebellion against my parents as it was as much against the Lord. I'm just going to live my own life. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to live in the world. And, and yet there was one Sunday morning, and looking back, I can guarantee you that it was largely because of the faithful praying prayers of my mother. And I'd encourage you, if you have wayward children, never give up praying. God hears your prayers and they make a difference. But I woke up this one Sunday morning and for some reason I hadn't been to church in who knows how long and I just knew that I had to be in church that morning. It's the only way I can describe it. And so I thought, well, what church do I go to. I don't want to go to my parents' church. That would be somehow giving them leverage, proving that they were right and I was wrong, so I won't do that. The only other church I knew of was this church here. It was Vision Christian Fellowship. And I knew this church because my nan, Nan Baker, faithful old nan, she used to sit here on the, the fourth 
row from the front. And so I scuttled in the back and sat next to her, just about gave her the fright of, fright of her life. What is my wayward grandson doing here? I said, oh, I just came to surprise you. And then that particular Sunday, there was a, a visiting speaker. He's from the UK. And he came, he's preaching a message. I don't remember anything else about the sermon. But he just looked at me in the middle of his sermon. And he said, son, this, this might sound a little odd to you, but sometimes as I preach, the Lord will give me a word for someone. Is it okay if I share the word? And I thought, what do I do? Do I say yes or do I run out of the building? But I said yes. He said, in fact, would you mind standing up and coming forward? And I thought, well, I'm in too deep now. I might as well stand up and come forward. So I stood up and I stood in front of him. And he, he said, I was preaching and this is what the Lord showed me about your life. And he'd mentioned various details, various things. And as he began to just say, this is what God's shown me. I mean, I was in awe and I was in a state of panic because I thought, there's no way this guy can know these things without it being the Lord revealing them to him. He knows details of my life that nobody else knows. And so part of me, the awe was, this is real. God is real. I, I, like this is blowing my mind. And the other part of me is thinking, yeah, but I, I'm not living a godly life. I'm living in the world. I've intentionally walked away from any form of belief and so if God is real then I'm in a world of pain I mean this is this is one of those moments where lightning is going to come from heaven the dead body will be carried back out the aisle Ananias and Sapphira think of the judgment of the Lord and yet at that particular moment as these things are going through my mind he looked at me and he says but here's what God wants to say to you You know, as, as he looked at me, he said, first thing he said, he said, God loves you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And then he went on to prophesy. He said, this is what I see. This is your calling. This is what you're going to do in your life. And I, I tell you what, in, in that particular moment, I was like, wow, this God is real. And yet... He had every chance to come and to condemn me. I know what I'm worthy of. And yet he came not to condemn the world, but that through him they might be saved. And so for me, that was it. I'm like, Lord, you have my life. You have my worship. This is too good for me not to spend the rest of my life living in response and wonder and adoration and praise and I tell that story for a couple of reasons but to encourage any of you this morning and you might think well I'm too far away God doesn't know what I've done there's been mistakes there you know nothing that you've done in your life is a surprise to him he knew you before you were born he knew that you would be here this morning 
And I've seen not only in my life, but in the lives of so many others, that if we're just willing to come to Him, there's nothing that He loves to do more than to pour out His love upon those that He paid His life, poured out His blood for. So I want you just to close your eyes. And I want, if we can, at some point, just to go back into that Even Though I Walk song. Can we do that? That picture of just His love in every season of life. But there is an opportunity, and I believe that God, as I said, put this message on my heart. And maybe it's for every one of us here. Maybe it's for only a handful. I don't really mind as long as God's doing whatever He wants to do. But I know without any shadow of a doubt that His desire for each and every one of us this morning is to remind us of two things. That He loves you and that it will always be enough. And so whatever place you're in this morning, if you're in a place where you know, maybe you've experienced Something, maybe there's a reality of having tasted. Maybe you've never experienced the love of God at all, and this is completely foreign. I want to pray for you this morning that you would receive, as Galatians chapter 4 puts it, His Spirit poured out upon you by which you and I cry out experience encounter his love so I want to pray for that and for any of us and perhaps there's been something in what I've said perhaps it's something completely different to what I've said that's fine as long as God's doing what he needs to do and you know that there's just a calibration there there's a calibration you know there's just some some errors in the way that you see God in the way that you see yourself and find identity in the way that that for some reason His love is not enough. And I feel like He wants to bring us back to that place where we are grounded, where we are rooted in His love. And that as He sets those roots deep in our hearts and lives, as as He again brings that strengthening and that stability, and as we allow Him to do that, that our eyes would too be opened and that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Not just this morning as we gather, but that this would be a journey where we would join the Apostle Paul in praying for our lives and praying for our church and praying for believers everywhere. God, just let us, let us grab this. Let us be so filled with the fullness of your love. So Holy Spirit, just come. Thank you that you're already here. That you're already ministering to lives. And we just welcome you to do whatever you desire to do this morning. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.
just a fresh outpouring of your love. Responsibility to receive. So if you feel like God's doing some things, just, just open up your heart to Him today. You don't need to be afraid. He's dealing with some things, if He's just working in some areas of your life. I just feel like for some of you, there's been a weight of discouragement. It's holding you back from fully trusting in Him. Past disappointments. just sing this song together as we conclude but if the prayer team could come up the front I'd really encourage you that if God is is stirring things in your heart and you know that you need to just have someone pray with you that would be my privilege and my joy this morning just to pray for a fresh baptism of love for you a fresh encounter so if that's you just as we sing you come forward there'll be a prayer team after this bless you to go Amen.